Welcome to the Black Hat Chat podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays on YouTube. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the about section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, good people around the world. This is the Black Hat Chat, collaboration between myself, Lee Johnson, and Rev Kai. Just two witches that get together around the proverbial kitchen table and talk. Well, we often talk nonsense, but talk about magic and witchcraft and ramble a lot. (laughs) (laughs) As witches do. Occasionally we talk nonsense. Yeah, sometimes. For the fun of it. Well, oh, yes. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Um, and if you have not checked out the link in the description, I know all the people in the chat have. But if anybody's watching who has not, then go to the link tree for the Blackout Chat, and you'll find us on Discord as the Wildwood Temple, on Facebook as the Wildwood Temple. And we also have the two supporter channels, Patreon and Kofi. Excuse me a second. <clears throat> frogging throat today again uh where we do what's on the telly which are two reviews a month of tv series and movies which are magically related and we rip them to pieces and have very interesting discussions yeah yes that is really what happens i would say that's a joke (laughs) but it's not (laughs) (laughs) no all right so today astrology forecast for june I enjoy these. No, everybody else does. Uh, Lou asked, is that the tree that I should touch? What tree? What are you talking about? Yeah, I've got oh, a tree. There's a oh, tree. there you go. There's yes. a tree in our background. Yeah, t- <laughs> yeah. Touch, touch the tree. Lots of trees. <laughs> and pet the dog <laughs> under the tree. <laughs> oh, link tree. No, no. No, don't touch that one. That's electronic. <clears throat> we need actual wood <clears throat> to keep the all the electronic stuff going. Yep. So all right. hopefully, speaking of wood, today we will be okay. Mercury stationed direct two hours ago. Uh, that doesn't mean we're out of the storm by any means. But, uh, yeah. We're... Things are going to move in a slightly forward direction for a little bit. Two days. <laughs> Two Mercury days. has stopped doing the Michael Jackson. Hmm? I think we lost the stream. Are we okay? Are we mm. still here? Mm. Let me check because we have a, a delay. <clears throat> I think we lost the stream. Still here. Oh, still here. Still there. Oh, okay, we're still here. Okay, okay. I I got a notification that the computer dropped the stream as I was talking about Mercury retrograde working just fine. 
apparently that was not that was not okay <laughs> so um we are talking about june 2022 however uh astrologically speaking i much prefer to look at moon cycles so i'm gonna just go back a wee bit and start with the new moon that happened on the 30th of may because that whole moon cycle is uh, colored and toned by what's happening at the time of that new moon so we're pretty close to the calendar june but uh that may shift a bit as we go on as the moons do not keep with the gregorian calendar months so um i've got astroseek up if uh you want to look at this chart some other time it's astro-seek.com and i've just got um an un uh rooted chart eh. I've got an unhoused chart. There are no houses drawn because I don't have it linked to a spot on Earth. And I just have it set in uh, GMT. So that means that nothing is put in a house. There's no house system to consider, which I think may make it easier to talk about um, all of this stuff the world over. Since we're not going to worry about house systems, that's all dependent upon where you are on the planet anyways. So um, here we've got, uh, hopefully everybody can see my little cursor there. Um, we've got the new moon happening on the 30th in Gemini. Here, sun and moon meet at 9 degrees of Gemini. Uh, Mercury is in Taurus at the time. So we've still got that. Um, disconnection, um, out of placeness, kind of, it doesn't quite work right feeling um, with this moon cycle. But Venus is still in Taurus here, and that's wonderful. That means that even though Mercury is retrograde in Taurus, Venus is right there, co-present in its own house. Um, she is able to to meet needs, and Venus luxuriates in Taurus, one of the signs that Venus rules, and uh, it is time for enjoying the small pleasures that we do get. Um, I always, when Venus is in Taurus, I always think of uh, the Empress Tarot card, and that is the, the couch of luxury that the goddess reclines upon, uh, you know that kind of sitting in the garden, enjoying all of the physical pleasures of life, and it's fleeting. Venus goes through Taurus pretty quickly. Uh, and I know a lot of times uh, we think that the planets move regimentedly, evenly through the signs, and the signs are all the same speed, and they're not. Um, the tropical zodiac that I'm using, as we had kind of a discussion about um, tropical versus sidereal, I am using a tropical zodiac. It is math that divides up the sky. All of the signs have been um, evened out into 30 degrees and everything is nicely proportioned and symmetrical and even and that sort of thing. But if you were to look up in the sky and actually look at the constellations 
and map them out along the ecliptic, along the zodiacal belt. Some are bigger and some are smaller. So we get, um, you know, planets moving through certain signs, passing through those 30 degrees more quickly uh, because there's not as much actual space on the zodiacal belt. So Taurus is one of those places where things zip right through. So we're not going to have a long time there. Uh, but this um, Gemini new moon is really nice. And the full moon that's coming up in Sagittarius. Because um, these are the first lunations that aren't an eclipse in this sign. So this is closing up that previous eclipse cycle that we had. That was the Gemini Sagittarius eclipse cycle. We've already started the... Um, Taurus Scorpio eclipse cycle with the last month uh, in May we had the opening of that eclipse season so eclipse seasons don't go uh, concurrently they often overlap like that and there's blending and kind of a mess between them so this should be closing up that stuff in the Gemini Sagittarius and as someone with a Sagittarius rising thank the gods I I'm very happy to not be having eclipses happening in my first house anymore. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. The big question at the moment is why everybody's been so moody this past week. Because the moon has been in cancer. <laughs> yeah. It happens every uh, once a month. And this time, just the way it went, we had three sunrises with the moon in cancer. Um, uh, for most of the world and that's that's total moodiness and it's uh opposite pluto retrograde and capricorn which makes everything feel catastrophic um so we have these mood swings and these experiences of this cancer moon and this deeply feeling things deeply feeling things and um then we have Pluto over there going, well, if you're feeling it that deeply, it's probably the end. Tear it down. <laughs> Everybody gets moody. And goes into Leo tomorrow, so... Yeah, the moon goes into Leo left. tomorrow. Um, and then, you know, we get into witness me. Uh, <laughs> it will feel better if you want to talk about your feelings and have them validated if you can have somebody else witness them and listen to you when the moon goes into Leo. Uh, so, um, but the thing we're really looking at here for most of the month is Jupiter, Neptune, and Mars crossing the equinox line. Uh, so we've got Mars ingressed into Aries, its own home sign uh, in May, and it's there firmly in Aries. It's conjunct Jupiter at the start of this new moon cycle. And that <clears throat> provides a lot of energy. Jupiter is expansion and growth. It's also justice and doing things for a purpose. So it takes Mars in Aries, which likes to just start everything. This is the most cardinal, go get it, get out kind of energy we have. And you uh, unites it. I can find the word. Unionize is not the word, unites it with that Jupiter energy. Uh, Mars, left to its own devices, can sometimes be a rebel without a cause, but Jupiter comes along and makes sure there's a cause. 
and it's often one concerned with whatever is going on in Jupiter's houses, which are Pisces and Sagittarius. We don't have anything in Sagittarius at the new moon cycle, but we will when the full moon gets there. So we've got Pisces, uh, Neptune still in Pisces, and very soon, uh, I think today, actually, let's go forward now, um, when we get to a little bit into June, nope, not today, tomorrow, next day. There we go. June 9th. Yeah. <laughs> we will get to um, Jupiter and Pisces being equidistant from the solstice line, which is, or the equinox line, which is Contra Antitia. So um, we've had the union of Jupiter and Pisces that we experienced in April and May when they were both together in Pisces. And this was Jupiter's home, Jupiter's house rules Pisces. And so we had this kind of um, feeling of justice and, and big dreams, but also the dissolution of uh, the barriers to those things because they were united. But now that they're contra antitia, it's like secret opposition. The antitia and the contra antitia being reflected across the solstice and the equinox lines and how that works is a big reason I think the signs flip in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, but across that equinox line, the, they are the same distance from that imaginary mathematical line. So they have this like hidden connection. And now it's an opposition. And that's fast to have that energy change. These are two big, slow-moving planets. Normally we have a union over here and it'd take... Uh, you know, six years for everything to move around to where we'd have an opposition. But we have it happening in less than a month. So it's probably going to feel like head spin, the rug pulled out from under us, because now we have the opposition to those Jupiter figures. We have Neptune working at cross purposes to that Jupiter urge for justice and growth and, and betterment and that sort of thing. Now, luckily that Contra Antitia is a very tight um, aspect. We only count it on probably this one or two days. Um, actually, let me check my ephemeris. Uh, Jupiter is only in the fifth degree of Aries for seven days a week. And it doesn't actually apply that whole time because we actually do consider minutes. Uh, only degrees are shown on the what I've got up here so um, but during that time it's going to feel very cross purposes uh, we may see a Jupiterian figure die uh, that happens a lot with Neptune especially if it's a die of old age kind of thing Neptune dissolves things pulls things away pulls them into another reality into a dreamy state so you know, that's going to be something to watch out for. And it's noticeable because it's it's so fast. You know, when it's the normal cycle of things, a union over here and then the flow and then an opposition over here. It's not, it doesn't feel as strong. 
it's the fact that we're we're hitting it a couple of weeks later, three or four weeks later. And so it's going to really feel head spinny. Next week? Next week. I don't have a calendar in front of me and all of this. <laughs> the ninth. Yeah. The ninth. Next week. Thursday. So, yeah. So don't let that, don't let that stumble you. Don't let that rile you. Um, just realize it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, also going on is Venus is moving through Taurus and, uh, we have known that Uranus is in Taurus. Oh, I do not like Uranus in Taurus times innovation, but also disruption. And as Venus approaches that conjunction with Uranus, all of those wonderful Uranus or Venus in Taurus things are going to be disrupted. That's what Uranus does. It just changes things because change is, Uranus doesn't even say change is necessary. Change is, is. So, um, Let's see, Uranus is going to be at 16. Got my, the, the exact conjunction happens on the 11th. And that has about a three degree orb. So I'm looking, pull this over here so everybody can see this is my ephemeris that I'm checking. So, um, we've got the exact conjunction here on the 11th, 16 and 16, and about three degrees either side. So we'll consider that 13th there on the 8th and, um, probably here to the 14th. It looks like by the, or on the 13th, it looks like by the 14th, it'll be in past that. So we've got that disruption there to watch out for from the 8th to the 13th, which overlaps with the contraantitia from uh, Neptune and Jupiter under the auspices of Mars. When Jupiter and Neptune met up in Pisces, Jupiter was in charge, but now Mars is in charge. So all of that kind of um, opposition feeling, what Jupiter has to do has to go through Mars now because he's in Mars's house. So it has to be done with Mars resources. It has to be done in Mars ways. Um, it That's the way things have to happen instead of in Jupiter ways. So this is going to be uh, a time, <laughs> a time where things feel strange and disruptive. You're going to want to um, relax and, you know, take joy in the little things and it's like oh i, I want to go get an ice cream you know that's a jupiter or a venus taurus thing and you'll get there and I, it'll I, be I'm gonna relax. um uranus will be like there's no ice cream <laughs> something has Lost happened it. to the shipping there's no ice cream <laughs> um so you know during this time uh just let things go. <laughs> this is the, in the, in the boat, in the sea that we're looking at, this is the rocky road. This is the rough rapids. And, uh, you're not, don't hold on to things too tightly. Um, 
of course at the same time this is happening that we're having this perfect um, conjunction between Venus and Uranus we have a moon opposite in Scorpio that just shines a light on it and says uh, what is wrong you know Scorpio always wants to know what is wrong and why uh, Scorpio is the investigator sign and so when the moon is in Scorpio we're often asking why and directly across that nice opposition that's the that's the spotlight why is this happening so if you find yourself digging into all of that and asking why why is there a disruption why can't I just have nice things why won't you let me take a long bath why? <laughs> <laughs> that's the energy going on up there uh, just going over to chat quickly um, Helena's here hello Helena glad you could join us um, Yolandi asks, how will the moon in Sagittarius affect me, who, who has my, I have my, she has her moon in Sagittarius? I think when you have lunar returns, um, it always feels a little more comfortable, like other people can actually understand you, because that's the pervasive energy that's going on. Um, I find that the lunations that happen on our lunar return points can really intensify um, our emotions and feeling our feelings. Moon in Sagittarius um, tends not to want to feel those feelings terribly deeply, wants to go out and do another thing. Um, Sagittarius is very much the sign of go. Everything's together. It's not, you know, a man riding a horse, it's a centaur. It's all about everything cohesively working together to go, go somewhere, mm. go do something, go out there. And the Take moon, action. the emotions go, they motivate to go, they motivate to go do things, but also they can often motivate to avoid, um, to, to just redirect somewhere else, something else. Uh, so that full moon can, will probably highlight that. And make that a bit more intense for that cycle and of course the gemini sagittarius everything in the zodiac is in pairs it's all about those those cross oppositions and they're all bound together through those oppositions so the new moon is going to set that off and then the full moon is going to set it off again <laughs> and then you've got two weeks before we get a new moon in the next sign so mm. it's going to be a month of probably rather intense things. Uh, but that Not also sure. depends on, you know, what your rising sign is. Moon in Sagittarius means ruled by Jupiter and the condition of Jupiter is currently not bad, but not like amazing um, in Mars's house. Uh, that is contrary elemental energy. So Jupiter is not going to be... Um, as able to do the Jupiter things unless they're in a Mars way and the most Mars way is go <laughs> that's very much that fiery energy so we've got that that communication in the fire element instead of in the uh, air element or I'm sorry the water element Jupiter is water and fire um... Let me just see here. 
Uh, Lady Capera said, I'm, fe- I'm really feeling that Neptune- Neptunian energy in my life as a Pisces. Well, and we just had that, that like intense Pisces time where we had mm-hmm. Jupiter and Mars and Venus all in Pisces. And, I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons um, end of 2021, well, even middle of 2021 to... Uh, beginning of 2023 feels so astrologically faded and everybody's noticing these transits it's because we have a whole pack of planets that are fairly sticking together and we're having these big pileups in signs moving around we started with that pileup of capricorn and we're just now getting out of that big pileup of stuff because sun mercury and venus have pulled ahead significantly you know and it's they're still over here they're still in three signs but before we had them all crammed into one sign and we're going to have that a couple more times where everything catches up intensely and we can really feel things because there's a whole bunch of planets there instead of spread out fairly evenly and the more planets you have in a, a spot the more people are going to feel it because they're going to have those planets activated in their charts and in prominent positions in their charts. So more people are going to notice the Capricorn energy or the Aries energy or the Pisces energy if there are more planets there. Mm. Um, Let's just have a look over here. All right, so Lou wants to know what the Queen of England sign is. Currently, it's Taurus Sun, and Lou and Yolandi are going for Rocky Road ice cream. Good stuff. I assume that that has context. (laughs) (laughs) It was something about you. You you were saying, oh, yeah, you're saying, you know, you want ice cream, and uh, Mm, the answer is no. Yes. So, so they're going to they're going to go for right before the disruption starts. They're going to go for rocky ice cream. So, um, so I skipped over. Let's go back. Oh, we have to actually click on the the chart and not the image of the chart. <laughs> Don't mind me. So today, uh, June third, um, we're going to see Mercury. Uh, station direct and for the time that's up it has already stationed direct it has not moved yet it's just stopped going backwards and it is currently square ish to saturn saturn's at 25 mercury's at 26. so if mercury had gone back one more degree it would have been in a perfect square to saturn but it's been applying as Mercury's been going backwards, Saturn has been moving forward, and there's been this pressure of this applying square. And they're going to almost make it, and then Mercury stations direct and turns around, and then a couple days later, Saturn stations retrograde and turns around. So they're both going to move away from each other. Um, when we have planets applying like that, and one of them stops and turns around before making the partile aspect, for making the exact degree aspect, we call that refrenation. And um, so I guess this is like a double refrenation, uh, but it feels like a near miss. Um, 
this intensity of this pressure um, in this broken kind of communication and Saturn is in Aquarius in its own sign and Mercury is in Gemini in its own sign. So both of these energies are in their strengths. They are doing their thing intensely. Mercury has been retrograde, so it's at a detriment because of that. But we have this, 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 um, no release for this pressure because the, the aspect never makes it. There's never actually a connection in aspect by degree. And because the sun is there in Gemini, wherever the sun is in the zodiac tends to highlight whatever, whatever is going on because it is the primary light. It is the primary luminary. Just like the moon tends to highlight things, but the moon especially looks across because the moon is about reflection. It's actually reflecting the sun's light. And the moon is brightest when it is across from the sun. That's a full moon. So we've got that, that light up the room energy of the sun, and we've got that spotlight look across energy of the moon, and that's super general. Uh, but <laughs> with this, this reformation that's happening right now and for the next three days, um, communications and especially um, stuff you had to review, stuff you had to rework, stuff you had to redo because of this Mercury retrograde may feel like it's just going to run up against more limits and more no's and more legal complication type of things, more rules. Especially these three days as Mercury just starts picking up speed to go back direct and Saturn is still moving forward, but it's stopping, it's grinding to a halt, that square is going to be rough feeling. And of course, this depends upon where this falls in your chart, and if Saturn is activated currently in your chart, what it's ruling. Like if you have an Aquarius rising, there's going to be some serious feelings, right? Some serious intense stuff that's going to put Gemini in the fifth house, dealing with your joy and your pleasure and it's going to put saturn in the first and it's just going to feel like nobody can say yes to you whatever you yeah. ask there there are no yeses out there there are only closed doors and no's so that will lighten up towards the end of june once they get out of that tight aspect and that energy begins to dissipate but it's probably going to at least last until we hit the summer solstice um as the sun moves into cancer and pulls that focus out of there um oh yolandi said virgo rising uh which which she is uh eric first said i had my thursday morning coffee tree and donut and not in that order and uh lou asked what about leo rising leo rising will probably have um some impact of this going on because it's going to be uh, affected by the fact that the sun rules Leo, but it's going to be happening back in the 11th house. And then uh, I got to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, Aquarius in the seventh. Oh, of course. Well, Leo is across from Aquarius. I know that. I'm an astrologer. I know basic things. <laughs> I, I'm a counter. I do a lot of derived houses, so I count. 
So that Saturn in the relationship spot in the other people you interact with, um, especially as Saturn goes retrograde, that can really feel like you can't rely on other people. You can't rely on partners. Um, people just, they aren't able to be there for you. Not in a malicious, no, fuck you, but just in a, where'd they go? They're just not available. So, um, and with the, the ruler of your first house being up there in the 11th with Mercury, it, that's other groups of people. That's a hard time communicating with people, but it's going to get better as Mercury moves retrograde and as this, this fades away. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on anybody for anything else from the third through the sixth with a Leo rising, um, assuming planets are activated and not otherwise muted in your chart for some reason. Uh, so. Okay, Lou, we're not relying on you, okay? <laughs> no, that's not the way that went. <laughs> <laughs> he, he makes digs at me, I'm going to make digs at him. Oh, okay. Playful time, <laughs> playful time. Yes, playful time. So let's... Larissa, Larissa said okay. hello. Hello, Larissa. Hello. If you've got any questions please pop them in the chat um even if you think we may have already covered them there's probably something else to say mm. <laughs> uh, okay let's go ahead to the full moon who that was a pretty aspect there on the eighth we have the moon opposite neptune highlighting that coming uh neptune uh anti-contra uh, antitia uh, sorry here i am looking over here at the numbers again we've got the moon at zero on the eighth and venus at 13 jupiter at 453 that's enough yeah and neptune at 2520 that's enough to have that contra antitia already activated there on the eighth so that's probably when that's going to show up and and feel and feel very intensely yeah that's a kite pattern that is the name of that aspect pattern <laughs> it's these three trines right there and it is the north node making up one corner of that and pluto making up the other so i wouldn't i wouldn't really rely on that bit too much but the moon throwing off that trine ray there and then that opposition uh, makes a kite pattern, aspect pattern. So that's going to highlight that stuff. That Pluto in retrograde at the very end of Capricorn may still feel like destruction and tearing things down. I kind of expect some kind of mm, pandemic, restriction, setback, something like that to be coming out around this time uh, because of Pluto, Jupiter involved, dissolution it may feel like something we made progress with because jupiter's been been instrumental in in watching the development of this pandemic it's been stuck in the dark places and growing and feeling very viral um so this may feel like stuff gets undone progress gets undone uh, and the north node being involved in that may make it all bigger but it's short because it's being activated by the moon. It's super short. So, we were on our way to a full moon. Dee, dee, dee. 
Up until the ninth, we're having pretty shit month so far. <laughs> um, uh, Lucid, uh, Lucid, he needs really needs to start reading his strategy books. Um, Lady Capera asked, "How does one's midheaven sign affect them?" Uh, Cappy at midheaven. Your midheaven is the um, the highest point of your chart, the ultimate achievement, the ultimate culmination. It's your legacy, the thing that shines the brightest that you are known for and your greatest achievement. It's also the point that divine light emanates through the chart. It is the point in the heavens. It's the spot directly overhead when you were born. And so um, a lot of people relate it to careers because for most people that's their big achievement and their legacy. Uh, but that's not necessarily true for everyone, you know. So watching for like a Capricorn Midheaven, you would want to watch what's happening to Saturn, who rules Capricorn, and what Saturn is doing. Um, when Saturn goes retrograde, your goals may not feel as achievable as they do when Saturn is direct. But like with all retrogrades, you want to go with the flow. You want to turn around with that energy and review. You want to turn around and look back. Uh, retrograde is re-time. Review, redo, renew, uh, all of those sorts of things. You know, it might be time to, to nurture the stuff that is needed to achieve that high goal. So all of those personal points, Midheaven, Mm Coli, the, your home down at the bottom, Ascendant and Descendant, when the rulers of those personal points, those angular points, either culminate, hit those points, or have effects themselves, that's what's going to affect you personally. Because those personal points, that earth cross, is you. That's how you are fitting into the mechanism of the overall world. And what planets rule those personal points, and when points hit those angles, that's when we most notice the astrology of things. Oh, I think that was um, a cohesive answer. <laughs> sounded cohesive to me. I, I was actually going to say, I would have thought um, Saturn going into retro um, would be more of a time to let loose and discard the bonds and the bounds and the rules and everything else. If you do that, Saturn will smack the shit out of you when it goes direct. You still oh, have to true. follow Saturn rules to do Saturn things. Mm. <laughs> you can't you can't just be like, and now I'm gonna be Mars. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine Saturn sitting there going, oh, just you wait. Just right? you wait. I'll be you walking forward again soon and I'm gonna go wallop. You wait till I get out of this chair. Uh, <laughs> but the lessons of Saturn are slow. People with prominent Saturns in their charts, especially Saturn-ruled midheavens, don't achieve their stuff until late in life. Um, often mm. people with very prominent Saturn placements, um, you know, they do things like go get a doctorate at 60. You know, they do very late in life kind of things because that's when Saturn comes into its fullness. It's the it's the late planet. It's the last one in the line. And it's really it's old age. It's Kronos. It's long term stuff. And so Saturn retrogrades, you can do that 
long-term planning kind of thing and that renewal that laying good groundwork laying good foundation you're still following saturn's rules you're just doing it in uh, a backwards instead of a forwards direction mm. and then you're going with the flow and sidebar saturn, oh, go ahead saturn rules capricorn right mm -hmm. okay yeah good for me so though. yeah as a capricorn rising when Saturn goes retrograde, mm. and especially um, if you have a prominent angle in Aquarius or Capricorn, Saturn is currently in its own house. So it's going to be more Saturn-y than ever because it can do things mm. in the Saturn way. Um, but as a sidebar, the reason I study astrology, the reason I use astrology is so that I know what the energies are out there and I can choose how to navigate through them. I can recognize that there's a Mercury retrograde and be like, okay, I want to go through, you know, go back over my notes, go review things, um, follow up on communications from the past. Or I can be like, I don't want to do any of that, but I'm not going to try to do Mercury forward things. You don't have to do it, but if you're going to do something, it should be more in line with what is what is flowing out there what is happening um what did i get to uh Rachel, i said i'm sagittarius with taurus rising i think and very new to astrology have a look at this um astroseek it is astroseek.com right yeah astro hyphen yeah. the middle line seek s-e-e-k um, dot com go there um you're totally welcome to sign up for their service it's free i use it all the time it's my favorite website um and put in your birth data and get your chart and i suggest anytime we talk about astrology or anything have your chart handy if you're not if you don't just have it in your head which a lot of people don't um no problem with that but have your chart handy and see where these things are falling in your chart um, early on in transit astrology, which is what we're talking about now, where these end up in your chart, a lot of times we only pay attention to when something is in the sign and therefore in the house. And I highly suggest you use whole sign houses so stuff doesn't get confusing. Just start with whole sign houses. Later on, there are reasons for other house systems, but whole sign houses is simple and straightforward and easy to understand. Um, but once you get used to those points, you know, currently Mars is in Aries. So you look where Aries is in your chart. Mars is doing the thing. Then you need to start paying attention to what we call the rays. And the first ray is straight across, 180 degrees in opposition. The next rays are 90 degrees squares that match to the modality. And um, a lot of fixed signs have been activated this time. So people with fixed sign placements, you'll hear that when astrologers talk about things. Um, uh, the fixed sign placements, because a lot of us have that 90 degree set with our midheaven and ascendant. Not always, um, because people are not all cookie cutter copies. Uh, but those things repeatedly get activated. It's a fixed sign kind of disruption year, right? Taurus and, and uh, Scorpio and Aquarius and Leo are the fixed signs. Uh, so you'll hear that kind of thing. And those placements, 
that's what they're talking about. They're talking about Ascendant, Descendant, Midheaven, and Coli. Those are the prominent placements. And then Sun and Moon, where the luminaries and the light comes from in your chart. So I think I was going somewhere with that, and I lost the thread. There's so much here. So much in astrology. <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of talking transits and and complex concepts, but we're also kind of talking basic astrology. So. Mm -hmm. Well, Yolanda, Yolanda said that she's going to bubble wrap herself this month. Um, Lady Capera said, "Devil, devil card in tarot above my head." Yeah, Capricorn is the devil card in tarot. Yeah. And you know, I've always thought that makes a lot of sense, but not in the sense of the understanding of the devil in pop culture. The devil, Saturn, is slow and methodical and grounded and requires you to follow the procedure and the rules and follow the steps and that's Saturn and people don't like that right people often find that chafing and and it's old age you know it, it Saturn is old age and the decrepitude that comes with that of having to deal with oh i have to eat this because my digestion is like this and well i'd like to poop this week so i better have some fiber and oh yeah i gotta take this pill for my knees and if i don't get up and stretch a little bit and move around my shoulder goes out those are all the rules <clears throat> of saturn it's a, it's a camera in my place or something because <laughs> you're just like talking about exactly what's going on with me no i know how to I know what it is to get old, <laughs> but those are the rules of Saturn. <laughs> and so we feel those imposition of those rules, things we didn't choose, things we don't necessarily like. They just happen to us, right? That's, that's that Capricorn mm. energy. That's that Saturn Capricorn. And so that gets classed as the devil, <laughs> right? But mm -hmm. Saturn is also the teacher. It teaches you, you like. by these steps. It teaches you um, through this regimentation. And if you build a good foundation before you get to the lessons of Saturn, if you develop good eating habits and good exercise and take care of your body in your 20s, it will treat, treat you well in your 50s and 60s. Those are the rewards mm -hmm. of Saturn. But they're long-term. They're extremely long-term. Saturn's rewards are our lifespan. So it's very hard for us to see that. It's very hard for us to put that in perspective. And a lot of times we just get angry at those steps and those rules and those restrictions and those confines that Saturn has. They're, they're the confines that make life possible. But if we can learn the wisdom in there, if we can find the, the light between the horns, in Capricorn, the fertility and abundance that is the fish part of the goat, you know, we can get that deep, deep wisdom. And I think that's how um, a lot of us in paganism uh, see the devil, actually, that figure, that mythical figure of the devil that is represented in the tarot. So, long digression <laughs> about Capricorn, 
but that's okay. We had our Capricorn time. Lots We're almost done with Capricorn the time. Uh, there's lots of stuff going on in the chat over here. Lou uh, says that it looks like I'm going to get a lot more degrees, or I'm just going to find a doctor. Um, Larissa asked, what do the North and South nodes mean those are super confusing? Yeah, they are super confusing. Um, okay, short cycle, the North and South nodes are the head and tail of the dragon, Rahu and Ketu. Rahu is the North, the head, Ketu is the South, the tail, or the excretory parts. The head takes in, takes bites out of things, and seeks things. The tail shits on stuff and diminishes and covers. Um, so those points are also often called eclipse points because it's when the sun and the moon are next to the nodes that we have eclipses and we watch the sun or the moon get swallowed or covered, right? And so the north node tends to disrupt, but increase. And the south node tends to disrupt, but decrease. They are both considered malefics because of that disruption kind of situation. However, in natal charts, the north node is almost like the secret midheaven. It's the, the doorway through um, high achievement the thing that we are meant to do that brings us great satisfaction. Whereas the South Node is the stuff we fall back on continually. The stuff that is very easy for us, that doesn't challenge us, um, that doesn't push us to grow, that we can just do. Um, if you're into past lives, there's a lot of people that connect those uh, things to uh, past life ideas, especially the South Node being the karma that you bring from your past life with you into this life, your Orle. And the North Node being the uh, weird that you can weave to pass on to your descendants when you become an ancestor. So it's kind of got that, that legacy feeling that the Midheaven does. Little subtle difference there. But if you're looking in your natal chart, the house of the South Node is often where we have just skills. This is what we're naturally good at. It's not a challenge for us. It's not work. It's just something we can do. And the place of our north node is where we got to work at it. And it's always going to be 180 degrees. Again, that pair, that union across. Um, but it brings us like a ton of satisfaction when we actually achieve it. Because it's something that, that fills that hole in our heart. It fills our mouth. It satisfies our dragon that is always hungry and eating and seeking. So I hope that was short. Yep, that was short. I'm going to actually disrupt everybody and say we're going to go for a break because my butt's sore and I need more hot chocolate. Yeah, my tea's about out. <laughs> I'm for beverage renewal. I, I am loving yeah, so, all these questions. Keep the questions coming. Yeah, keep the questions coming. We'll hit them when we get back. And if you have not checked out, links in the description for Wildwood Temple and uh, uh, Blackout Chat. Go do so, and also go and check out uh, revkai.com, uh, where you can get your own astrological chart and reading, etc., 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 etc. Yep. 
Yeah. All I right. Do, I do do this by appointment also. Yes. All right. Be right I'll back. just advertise for you. Bye-bye. See you just now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Black Hat Chats, and today we are doing the astrological forecast for June. Uh, I just want to go through the chat because there's quite a bit in here first. Uh, James Jones, hello James, said Saturn is like the crone energy. Well, it's Kronos. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where old we get age. the word crone from, who knows? It yes, is. old age. It is where we it get is. the word crone from. Okay. Um... Uh, that was a question, by the way. Oh, okay. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Kronos, yeah. Saturn. Mm -hmm. Get the word crone from Kronos. There we go. And actually, um, Saturn rules Bina in the Kabbalah, in the Tree of Life, and is a feminine energy. Um, we get into gender of the plans very frequently, but there's a lot of places where it's both. Mercury is definitely both. And Saturn is one of those where uh, you can definitely understand that wise crone grandmother type energy is relating to Saturn through Bina. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lady Quera said to me, it's Lucifer, the light bringer. That's when we were talking about the devil. Mm -hmm. And Yolandi said, I can never understand why the Capricorn card is the devil. People think we are evil because of it. People don't know what they're talking about. And also said, we are teddy bears. <laughs> and Richard's also describes me very well as that is my sign and the way I work um, teddy bears are the cancers you hug and love and nurture because they're all squishy inside with a very hard shell <laughs> <laughs> yep um, Shinjini hello all just jumped on perfect timing. Hello, Jinjini. Um, and Jinjini also asked, or said, said my Saturn retrograde in Capricorn house, wondering how this month will be. Well, if you have a natal Saturn retrograde, then times of Saturn retrograde will feel a bit more comfortable. Retrograde natives often don't struggle with the energy of the planets in transit in retrograde. So, um, since it's not actually passing through your fourth house in Capricorn, it's in your fifth house in Aquarius, um, it may be time to review the rules you have around uh, pleasure and joy and fun in your life. I know that sounds weird, uh, but if you have a Capricorn fourth house, you have rules. <laughs> you have a lot of rules uh, for how you structure your life, how um, things need to be, uh, so the fourth house is your home where you feel at home, where, um, you can find that kind of safety and also your physical house and land that you dwell upon is affected by your fourth house, especially the point of your M.M. coli. So, you know, look around for those things, especially since it's still a Saturn ruled sign and that sensitive point of your M.M. coli is in Capricorn, even a retrograde in Aquarius will affect that. You know, it review your home warranty kind of thing. Check up on your lease. Um, 
you know, walk around outside and check your property if that's appropriate. Even if you live in an apartment building and the property is not yours, that's still your home. That's still, you know, where you dwell and the land and the boundaries you dwell within. It's still your address. So all of those things are in that fourth house and in that MM coli. And if you review stuff when Saturn is in retrograde, if you, re if you follow the energy and you do the, the review and the renew and all of the re-things in the retrograde time, Saturn will not smack the shit out of you when it goes direct and traces back over that during the post-retrograde storm. It'll be like, ah, yes, check. Very good. You completed the list. Check. And so that's what it'll feel like. If you didn't, it's like the manager, the inspector comes and goes, I told you to do this. 10 demerits. I told you to do this. 20 demerits. I told you to do this. <laughs> and that's what that post-retrograde storm feels like, is it traces back over all the stuff that you didn't review and you didn't check. So especially whenever I have anything go retrograde in the fourth house, um, I check, I check my house. I, you know, I look for problems. I check all the smoke detectors and all their batteries. I go double check, you know, the mortgage agreement or the lease agreement or whatever it is. That's the time to do that. That's the time to look over that stuff and get the, the reviewing planet on your side instead of later when it's going to come by and go, uh-uh, that was the time you should have fixed it, you know. And then you're in trouble. I'm going to start getting more Saturn with Lou. Ten demerits, Lou. Ten demerits. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I asked a bit of a discussion about the devil between James and Richard. Um, Lunar Connection is here. Hi, Lunar Connection. Um... I'm way too, James Jones said, I'm way too late to keep up with the lecture. I definitely need to subscribe to Lee's Patreon. I don't actually have a Patreon myself. It's the Black Hat Chat Patreon where we do what's on the telly. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to um, be notified of these lives, then just subscribe to my channel if you haven't already, this channel. Yep. Turn on the notification, um, which is ding the bell, and then you'll yeah, get ding notices. The bell. You'll get notices when we go live. Well, you're supposed to. A lot of people say they don't always get them. Don't ding the bell during Mercury retrograde. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait. No dinging bells. No, no <laughs> dinging bells. Um, uh, Lou said, now I understand myself as a cancer more. Uh, it is my moon sign, so it makes sense. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you have a Capricorn sun and a cancer moon born on a full moon, full cancer moon that's going to be a permanent tie in your understanding of the world is the 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 you not union i think lou's a leo son oh that is a Richard leo rising i don't know lou don't know. what are you <laughs> i need charts in front of me I need charts i've got a chart for him actually <laughs> Shall I send it to you? <laughs> well, only if he consents and, and wants me to look at his chart. Um, so, okay. Uh, so, full moon, middle of the month, June 14th, we've got the full moon. 
I, I haven't even talked about fixed stars because Mercury is stationing direct on Algol, I think. Anyways, the full moon. So we've got the second lunation. Um, and uh, it's going to be towards the end of Gemini and Sagittarius, of course. And this will be the first full moon or the first Sagittarius lunation since the eclipse cycle. So that two-week period from uh, May 30th to uh, June 14th, that moon cycle, that's the close up everything from the previous eclipse cycle time. Um, if you don't want to deal with it in nine more years, when we have this cycle again, take care of it. Whatever it was that came up for you, wherever this pair falls in your chart, wherever it's activating these things. Um, if you've got a Jupiter or prominent Mercury in your chart that is currently activated, that's probably going to feel some tension from this, or uh, if you don't take care of it, if you do take care of it, some relief as this actually closes up and gets put away. And then in nine years, whatever you didn't deal with will be opened back up for the next eclipse cycle in Gemini and Sagittarius. Um, but right now we've opened up the Scorpio-Taurus eclipse cycle. So we've got some time in there to deal with those things and where those fall. And that will last as long as those nodes, as you can see the nodes, are in Scorpio and Taurus. So when they move out into Libra and Aries, then we'll have the, um, the close-up of the Scorpio-Taurus with the lunation not in the eclipse, and then move into the next eclipse cycle. So um, the nodes do move backwards. They are always retrograde. They are always going the opposite direction. They are always going backwards through the zodiac. And there's nothing there. They're imaginary calculated points created from the intersection of the orbits of the sun and the moon orbits. Um, the place where we see them against the zodiacal belt. Um, James says... Uh, okay, thanks. I am. I just see you mention you do courses. I thought it was Patreon. I really need to find a mentor. Um, what do you need courses in? I because we we were originally doing courses on Patreon uh, through as Black Hat Chat, but we decided to put them directly onto our own websites. Mm -hmm. So you'll find my courses on the websites. Um, Kindest teaching as well. I do um, consultations, so I don't currently have any open classes going, but I do by appointment mentorship and consultations where we just sit down and you tell me what's wrong and I apply my knowledge to help you. Um, you know, just sitting down with a uh, an elder witch and talking shit out. I just changed my site today. I've redone the whole thing, so... If you have a problem with my site, let me know, please. <laughs> it, should, it should be good, though. <laughs> um, you already said uh, Mercury gave me a kick in the butt on Monday when my PC monitor broke, I guess. Yeah. Um, James, well, you know, last Friday it was a Kai. My uh, whole computer, computer just boom. went... Yeah, I'm, I'm on a whole new hard drive and Windows install and everything. Yay! After much, much appeasement to Mercury. Much appeasement. 
Lou said Cancer Sun, Taurus Moon, Leo Rising was mixed up in my head. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, but Leo Rising explains a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, more tech stuff is wishing it's slow. Uh, Yoli, I'm a third deacon. Is it deacon or deacon? Deacon. Deacon. I'm a third deacon Capricorn sun, which is ruled by Saturn and Mercury. Is that why Mercury isn't so bad for me? Um, well, you mean the, the deacon ruler is Mercury, um, and the house ruler is Saturn? Yes, because in the sun, you have some dignity for the sun in Mercury, but it doesn't quite work the other way. You probably have a dignified Mercury in your chart. Um, so, uh, the sun does not provide dignity to Mercury by being in its decan. It gains dignity from Mercury by being in its decan. Uh, it only goes one way. But that's some, that's some complex stuff to get into. Um, James said, thanks very much. I'll check description for website. I have some issues and some advice is needed. Okay, that's cool. We both do private tuition, so yeah. I'm sure I'm just grab all of us. So Mercury has Mercury retrograde has been so intense for people for there are three factors going on. One, Mercury went retrograde in Gemini, its own sign. And Gemini is the um, much more communication focused sign rather than Virgo, the other sign that Mercury rules. Um, Virgo is internal communication, that's why it's concerned with health. Mercury is external communication. So it went retrograde in its own sign when the sun was there, right, illuminating everything. And then it retrograded into Taurus, you know, it passed back into Taurus going backwards where Uranus was fucking everything up. And so it had to go between its own sign and the illumination of the sun into the house of Venus, where Uranus is just throwing the party that flips a table every 20 minutes, or not exactly, because that would be too regimented for Uranus. And then finally is going direct and is going to move back into Gemini in its direct motion. So it stationed direct today in Taurus. We still got a little bit of time before it starts moving forward. That takes a couple of days for it to get the movement and start going forward because it stopped to turn around. It's not instant. And then it picks up speed. It'll actually get back into Gemini on the 13th, the day before the full moon. Things are going to go a lot smoother once it gets back into Gemini. Um, but we need to look back and see uh, when the uh, storm actually ends. So to do that, we look back at where it started. The retrograde started at 4 degrees Gemini for Mercury, actually 451. And so we look forward here and we find when it gets back to that. So 451, it'll cross on the 18th of June. That's when the retrograde storm will finally actually be over. 
Mercury will have covered all of the path that it covered in the retrograde and got back to the point where it started and is now out of the shadow and is just straight up moving forward. So things will feel a bit better on the 13th when it finally gets into Gemini and then things will actually like really truly clear up by the 18th. And just a few days later on the 21st, the sun is leaving Gemini and going into Cancer. And so it won't just be this fucking spotlight on all things Mercury and Gemini when the sun moves into Cancer. And by the way, this ephemeris I'm using is Astrolog. Um, if you're into astrology and you want a very robust astrology program for free, Astrolog is one of my favorites. It's astrology without the Y. Uh, but you can also pull up the ephemerides on astro.com. That's what these are. There's a web address for the 2022 ephemerides. But if you just search ephemeris and whatever year you want, you'll get these, uh, the Swiss ephemerides that show you all of this information. So you can check that out if you want to read all of the ephemeride information. If you're going to get into astrology, get an ephemeris. Ephemeris. <laughs> it's not all straight radial charts. You need an ephemeris too. Mm. Uh, Lady Crow has got to go driving back from Reno. Thanks everyone. Drive safe. Um, oh, Yolandi said my Mercury is Aquarius. I'd have to pull up my, my dignity charts and look at that and what degree and all of that sort of stuff. And you can't, you, you can read essential dignity from placement, degree placement, but you can't read accidental dignity. Um, because you need the house system, you need the entire chart and the flow of everything and where everything is. Um, so that's something that you figure out from a, a whole natal chart. And that's why I keep talking about if that planet is prominent, if that planet is activated. Because not every planet is prominent in every natal chart. Some of them just straight up aren't speaking. Some of them are screaming loudly. Some of them are just like, yeah, whatever, I'm here, I'm doing my thing. There's a whole range in there. And that changes over time. Your chart does not stop when you're born. It kind of chunks out of the the flowing river of um, energies that we use astrology to symbolize and understand, but it keeps moving. It keeps progressing. It's just a much, much slower progression that is happening with the natal chart. So we go through cycles. Um, Saturn return is one of the common ones that we hear about because people don't like Saturn and don't like rules. And Saturn return, your first Saturn return happens around 30, 28 to 30, somewhere in there. And um, a lot of people get hit hard with the realities of aging at that point. Another Saturn return happens around 60 or so. Um, depends on retrogrades and that sort of thing. But, you know, people who have a prominent Saturn, that's why they tend to come to prominence around 60 or so, because they learn the lessons the first time, and by the time it comes around the second time, they've got their shit together and following the Saturn rules. But those, those transits, those returns, those progressions, they all matter in whether this kind of transit astrology will affect you, which is why it's so hard to listen to sun sign horoscopes 
or even transit horoscopes like this and relate them if you don't know your own natal chart. You at least need to know your rising sign at the very, very basis of things. You need to know your rising sign. It's more important than your sun sign when it comes to interacting with the current astrological um, flow of things, energy of things. And especially if you're going to do magic and that sort of thing. But I highly recommend you get a detailed natal chart reading um, with progressions so that you know what is what in your life and when things are going to be prominent and when they aren't. And then you can make a lot out of these kinds of forecasts and readings because you can be like, oh, oh, in 2023, I'm going to be having a heavy Jupiter year. So I really need to pay attention to what Jupiter is doing during that time. And then you go and you look and you're like, okay, well, this month, this month, this month, Jupiter is not in great shape. But here, Jupiter is in amazing shape. So I can make plans because I will be all Jupitered out. It will be good. I will be good. We will be doing the Jupiter thing. You know, perfect time to launch a business or um, grow your advertising reach or whatever it is. Same for every single planet in your chart. You want to know when it's doing well for you, when it's being quiet for you, what's coming through, what's going to affect you, and what's not. So um, have a good natal chart reading. And natal charts, interpretation is one thing, and progressions is another thing. Uh, and so you really need both on lock to be able to make use of, make very good use of transits. You can still make plenty of use of transits as long as you know your rising sign. Then you can see where stuff falls in the houses and what's prominent for you based on your rising and where those sensitive points are going to be. Like we talked about that earth cross that defines you in the flow of things. So. I lose complaining about my my website because it's uh, it's it's got too much white on it now. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was all black. It's always been all black. I like black backgrounds. Now I've got some white in it, you see. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Changing that corner as Saturn moves through Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, James said, this is uh, what my chart worked out. I've never had it done. And I know nothing about astrology, which is dangerous, I guess. Well, head on over to RevKai.com. Yeah. The chart. I, there are ways to study astrology for free. Um, there are ways to, to look at your chart for free. Um, you can go to Astro.com, plug in your stuff, get a chart with an interpretation. But it's a plug-and-play interpretation. You know, mm. it, it's Mad Libs with keywords put in about signs and planets. And while that will get you a very basic understanding, it's kind of like um, learning what the letters are in kindergarten as opposed to uh, an in-depth study of astrology is like studying the history of... of uh, English philosophy in college. So there's always somewhere to start. There's a lot you can learn. Um, I don't, I don't ever want astrology to be inaccessible to people because of price, you know? So, but 
and there's a lot you you will get overwhelmed in the study of astrology straight up <laughs> there's a ton to learn there's lots of different ways to practice astrology i talk about a traditional medieval astrology with a hellenistic influence with whole sign houses and tropical zodiac i'm not there are astrologers that do very very different things i don't practice joytish astrology or vedic astrology i don't really use sidereal um a sidereal zodiac you know so there's lots and lots of different ways to go about it it's going to get confusing um but it's totally worth it i i really believe it's totally worth it um I will recommend um, Achutabhava, um, previously Adam Ellenboss. Um, he has Nightlight Astrology, lots and lots of good stuff uh, that he provides, and the Astrology Podcast with Chris Brennan, of course. If you just you just want to learn some stuff, um, go search them up on YouTube, check out their stuff. They do lots and lots of good uh, astrology um, videos and to learn the basics, to get a feel for you know, the basic stuff instead of just the plug and play readout. Um, cause you'll, um, there's a big thing in modern astrology that I really kind of chafe against and it's the influence of sun sign astrology. We have this interpretation of the sun in a sign, sun in Gemini right now, or sun in Leo. And then that becomes through the simplification of sun sign astrology, the totality of the understanding of the sign. And that's not enough. The sun in Leo is not the same as a rising as Leo, is not the same as a moon in Leo, is not the same as Jupiter in Leo, is definitely not the same as Saturn in Leo that's in detriment. So, you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot to learn. I'm off on this tangent about learning astrology. <laughs> we'll get back to June. <laughs> I need to learn astrology also. Um... Hang on a sec. Uh, Larissa, I forgot it. No wonder my chart is a mess. Okay. <laughs> um, Deborah's here. Hi, Deborah. Uh, Yolandi said, I'm doing ancient Jewish astrology at the moment. Uh, Deborah asked, What does it mean if you are born on the cusp? My birthday is May 24th between Taurus and Gemini. Here is the controversy in astrology. <laughs> so I'm in the camp of there's no such thing as a cusp. Um, mm. I think that's some made up pop psychology bullshit from sun sign astrology to make people, people feel special because sun sign astrology reduces people to 12 possibilities and that ain't enough. Astrology is much, much more complex than 12 options. And um, cuspiness brings in the subtlety that appears in actual astrology when you look at full charts with all of the planets and the rising and everything else. Um, you know, there are boundaries in the signs, there are degrees, there are minutes, there are seconds, there are even divisions of seconds. And none of that is a cusp. Um, it's either in the sign or it's not in the sign. So what time of day you were born and where on the planet makes a difference whether you have, I assume, a sun in Taurus or in Gemini. But I don't believe in cusps. Not part of my astrology, not part of my understanding. It's math. Um, there's, always, there's always a line. 
and zero degrees Gemini is Gemini. And 29 degrees and 59 minutes and 59 seconds of Taurus is Taurus. Um, James said, thanks, Rev Kai. I'll check that too. My friends on Instagram know who you are and read your work. Cool. I haven't had a book Good out stuff. in many, many years, but nice to know mm. that somebody still reads it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let's get to June. What's so the June. important dates? Here we are, June 14th. This is the full moon. Now, by this point, we have got a conjunction with uh, Mars and Chiron in Aries. And even though I'm a traditional astrologer, I do include Chiron and the outer planets quite often because it's very popular. And I find, especially in these um, times, Chiron moves very slow. It's an outer asteroid. Um, it has not changed position for a lot of people that are still alive. Uh, so um, I don't really pay attention to the fact that it's in Aries because it's not not going to uh, affect that much. But when something rolls over it and conjuncts it, we feel that um, energy come through, just like um, Mercury rolling over the fixed star Algol and that sort of thing. So that's very surface level kind of how I treat Chiron but this conjunction that's happening here at the full moon that is trying to the moon in Sagittarius I think is going to bring in that wounded warrior energy because here we are Mars is in its own house in Aries doing the Mars Aries thing of let's start some shit let's get some things done let's go out and then uh steps on a nail <laughs> and has to learn about the painful side of Mars, the iron side of Mars, um, the side that says, I will still fight even though I am hurt. And especially with Jupiter present there, we're still in that range for that uh, contraintitia, that Jupiter has a purpose. Jupiter really brings a purpose and a reason and a cause wherever it goes. So, you know, now the wounded warrior has a reason to fight and the trine to the moon in Sagittarius again Sagittarius wants to go so we've got these two fiery signs Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter um you know it is it is going to have a reason to go and a reason to go fight despite the pain despite the hurt so I think this is something you should pay attention to uh, so you don't get caught up in just fighting because it's something you care about and you're going to hurt yourself. Think about it. Think about it before this happens. Think about it before this energy is manifesting through your heart and pushing through all of that kind of thing. We don't have anything in the other fire sign in Leo but we do have a retrograde Saturn opposite, opposite that in Aquarius. So tempering things with some review, with some rules, with some structure, with some code of ethics can really help this uh, full moon energy that will seem very frantic. Um, 
especially if you live in an area where, um, you know, it's a, a Jupiter line or it's um, uh, a Mars line uh, from your chart, and this is astrocartography, just stay home that day. Full moons are always chaotic. There's a high chance for accident and, and physical harm at that time if you're in that Jupiter-Mars line area. So that's one of those days where, you know, I don't need to go to the grocery store. I don't need to go out for nothing. Uh, <laughs> just take a day off and, and quiet. Is that whole Mars um, still fighting even though we're hurt type of thing? Can we look at it in, in the way of up until now, up until 14th, full moon, um, we've been having a pretty shit month and it's been breaking us down and hurting us, but we still get up and we still fight. Yeah. Because we have to, we carry on doing what we're doing. Because this is applying this whole time. Mars is just moving closer and closer and closer to Chiron. Um, but it's mm. going to pass it. I think this full moon is just going to really bring it to the fore because that conjunction is partile, perfect at that time. It's a trine to the moon. And the luminaries are there shining light on things. You know, a full moon is so chaotic because the luminaries are just bouncing back and forth their energy in that 180 degrees. It's just bum, 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 bum. But some of that gets cast off in the other rays, the trines and the squares. And for the moon, that sun energy is going to be going, make sure my pointer's there. Everybody can see my little glass, right? That sun energy is going over to the moon. And then it's bouncing off into these rays with a sextile here to Saturn, a square to Neptune, and a trine here to Mars and Chiron. So that's really going to to highlight all of that stuff we've been talking about and all of those aspects. It's going to draw that all in and make that that full moon seem really, really intense. And it's the first Sagittarian lunation since the eclipse cycle. So, you know, it's all of this is pulled into this full moon energy that night. If you're going to do magic that night, you need to keep that sort of thing in mind. You need to know... Um, if Jupiter is prominent in your chart, you know, there's this Contra Antitia right here that could really just pull the rug out from under you if you're trying to do Jupiter kind of stuff. Um, you're trying to do Mars kind of stuff because it's a nice Mars and Aries. If you just casually look, you're like, oh, that's good. Mars and Aries, Mars time things. But mm, maybe not this full moon. Yeah. So if we are doing Jupiterian type of stuff, I'm just thinking of my wealth web uh, members because I yeah. usually do a ritual on the full moon. Yeah. Um, I may actually just delay that a bit. Well, a Sagittarian full moon is going to be paying attention to Jupiter, but it's got that backhand contra and tish. I would wait until it's out of that range. It's only, only a week. You know, mm. it's a short little time and it's such a weird energy. We often don't spot those things. Um, you know, I only notice it because I try to go through and, and look for those sorts of things a month or two ahead. Um, they're not, they don't happen that often. But because we're crossing the equinox line there from Pisces to Aries, it's really, it's, um, it's prominent. And that union, that conjunction was so recent, it's got to feel just super jarring. 
but it's short. Just mm. know that it's short, but it's the full moon is right in the middle of it. So that full moon is going to highlight it, especially being in Sagittarius ruled by Jupiter. It's going to pull all that in. It's got that square to Neptune. Just, you know, yeah. you could focus over on Venusian type stuff, even though Venus is one degree away from the North Node. Sometimes you get lucky with that North Node magic if you can do it just right. Um, you know, I'm not one that says don't do magic on eclipses. I think eclipses are great for magic, but you got to know what you're doing. Because um, you're I'm writing, yeah, you're writing the wild beast. You're leashing chaos, and you don't always get it right. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, you got to really pay attention to that. Uh, so this full moon, I, you know, offerings, yes, uh, general cleansing, sure, big ass magic, probably not. Um, Wait a week until after the full moon. Yeah. Now, there's a way through everything. There are very few times in astrology where the doors just slam in your face. But this is one of those thread the needle situations where you really got to know what you're doing. And it's complex. It's very complex. So I wouldn't attempt anything with this just because of how complex and how nuanced it would have to be to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I would wait. I would wait a week. And maybe grab the next new moon. Let's actually mm -hmm. um, pop forward to the next new moon, which should be in Cancer. Let's see how uh, that is. Let me just go through questions quickly then. Mm -hmm. um, Deborah said the houses are more precise then. No. That'd be right. No. No. There's a, there's a lot of complicated stuff when it comes to astrology. Um, read the whole thing together. It's not just uh you know where your sun sign is right the houses are an earth-based system that correlates the the energy flow of the heavens that we read through the zodiacal belt and the wanderers the planets the garajas the grabbers we read that and correlate it to a house system on earth that is uniquely uh, connected to the person it's part of the imprint that allows us to manifest into the physical so they're not more accurate or less accurate they're a different system so um okay Sorry. i was uh, Yolandi asked uh, i heard rumblings about a possible 13th sun sign what is your opinion i use a tropical zodiac my zodiac is built of math um it is mm. not uh the constellations are fascinating and ophiuchus's foot does dip in and step on the head of the scorpion at scorpio in fact <clears throat> my birth date would put me in that 13th sun sign but it doesn't make any sense in the thema mundi um it has no bearing on the way that the emanation of light is understood through the development of the signs and the solstice points and the equinox points and how that affects um the understanding of the power and the dignity of the planets and how they relate to one another and the speeds it doesn't make any sense it, it when you understand the math behind the way the zodiac works, and it's it's beautifully elegant math of cycles and interlocking circles and cycles and so on and so forth, to s drop in a thirteenth sign, and it, the fact that it's called a sun sign is a big clue that it's not real astrology. It's sun sign astrology, but to drop in a thirteenth um, 
It doesn't make any sense. It's completely illogical. Now, in sidereal zodiac, especially some of the forms that do not use even um, houses, or I should say signs, the older term is houses, uh, of the planets, but actually have it mapped to where it is on the zodiac. We talked about that. They aren't all exactly 30 degrees. Tropical uh, zodiac is a, a math system. Um, it might make a little more sense to consider that small portion there uh, between Libra and Scorpio to be Ophiuchus because you're actually trying to map against the constellations. But that's an entirely different um, system of astrology. It's an entirely different base understanding of what is happening. You're starting from a different foundation. And I'm not a sidereal astrologer. That's so I'm not going to talk about how that works because that's not my practice. Mm -hmm. um, right, let me carry on over here. Deborah said, I have noticed I have little patience for people these days. Part of Wounded Warrior. I'd actually say the Wounded Warrior has more patience. Yeah, I would say that having little patience for people is a retrograde uh, Saturn yeah, and a retrograde Pluto over in Saturn signs. Mm. Um, the two destroyers are just done. <laughs> and I mean, Pluto is, is super slow. Um, but the transpersonal planets, the generational planets, I always think of them as the undoers. Uh, Neptune dissolves. Uranus changes, disrupts, and Pluto destroys. And they have generational effects. They only really change signs in about what we consider a generation. Um, Pluto even more slowly. But when they come into configurations with the faster-moving personal planets, we often see big things happen because they're affecting large swaths of people. But they're very rarely relevant in our our teeny little personal lives. They're so far out there in the the layers of astrological energy that they just, they don't have much effect by the time they get to us personally. But they do have effect because they are affecting everyone in the same way because they're so slow. So, you know, there's an entire generation of people born with Pluto and Capricorn. And so when Pluto has effect on Capricorn and therefore Saturn things, they all feel that because they all have that same energy. Um, but there's, you know, people born on the day that the moon was in Cancer and Pluto was in Capricorn. That's, that's not nearly as many people. So. Mm. Uh, Deborah, Deborah said, uh, just thinking, adding a 13th sign would be like adding another body system to the human body. Yeah, I guess it would be like, you know, everyone now has an arm coming out of their chest. Now that's still the same thing as an, it's duplicating something. I, I think mm. it's even worse than that. It would just be, it, it's the problem with eclecticism. It's not understanding the foundation of things and the, the core reasoning of what is happening and why it is happening and the worldview that is the foundation behind it. You can't can't add a 13th sign to a system of 12 <laughs> that is built on a system of 12 that is built on circles and three 
threes and nines and twelves, you know, and the sixes, and it doesn't work. It's not part of the math. It's not part of the base worldview. You would, it would never fit. It would never make sense. It would only ever be this this thing on top that doesn't that doesn't work. Mm. All right, back to June then. So at the end of June, we've got another new moon on the 29th. That's what's up on the screen right now. Um, this will be in Cancer. And this will, again, not be an eclipse. We're, we're done with the eclipses for a little bit until um, we get back to Taurus and Scorpio in the fall. So we've got um, this new moon energy is square to Jupiter. So it's going to pull in all that Jupiter stuff again. But it's in Cancer ruled by the Moon. So it's not going to be nearly as intense Jupiter kind of tie-in as a Sagittarius lunation would. Um, and it's going to be rough for that Jupiter relationship. But Jupiter is not nearly as in bad as straights now. It's moved out of the contraintitia. It's at 7 degrees. So it's away from that spot, that weird opposition, secret opposition with Neptune. It's not close enough to Chiron to make any difference. And Saturn is not up against it, but it's still in the house. So Jupiter can still do things because Mars is still in Aries at home. So he still has to do things in a Mars way, but things can still get done. That square um, can be leveraged. We think of squares as bad, hard aspects, challenging aspects, just like the opposition. But... Squares are like sandpaper. If you're rubbing it against your skin, sandpaper is bad, right? <laughs> it causes wounds and problems. But if you're rubbing it against a stone or you're rubbing it against wood, it's good. It smooths things out. It gets rid of bumps and problems. You just have to know where to apply it. And that's what I see squares like, especially with lunations. When I see a square to a prominent planet in a lunation that I want to do magic on, I'm like, okay, I got to pay attention where we apply this square, where we apply this challenge, how we look at it, you know. Um, since it's ruled by Mars stuff, we want to apply it in a Mars way. That's the way it's going to be most useful. Now, uniting Aries and Cancer energy is fucking tough. They're squared to one another. They're, they don't always get along. But if you just sit and think through it uh, logically in the way that you need to apply it to your problem, it'll appear. There's always, always a way through with all of this stuff. And luckily, Uranus isn't involved. <laughs> He's still there. He's still screwing stuff up. But nobody's making an aspect of Uranus involved in this lunation. So Uranus doesn't really have a voice in the room. Um, he's not, not at a perfect degree for anything, to make an aspect anywhere. <laughs> he's not, he can be flipping tables, but he's in the other room and nobody cares. <laughs> at least for a little bit. So that next, um, moon cycle that really starts on the 29th of June, but we would call July's astrological time, should be a bit smoother. Um, August, things go to shit. But we have a little break here. <laughs> All right. Mm -hmm. So 
that answer questions about the new moon and the full moon and the other new moon? Kind of. I'm just going to do 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 my ritual a week after the after this full moon. <laughs> Let's see. Seems seems to be the best place. Yeah. Um. Jupiter and that Jupiter got Jupiter on the brain. Other benefic Venus ingresses into Taurus about there with the moon. Yeah. So Venus ingresses or not into Taurus into Gemini leaves Taurus. Venus leaves Taurus and goes into Gemini um, there on the 23rd. And the moon is going to catch up. Remember I talked about Taurus is a fast sign. Uh, the moon's only going to be there for a couple of days and catch up. And then we'll have this nice little uh, right button. Too many screens. Two, two days. We'll have this nice little um, moon, Venus, Mercury all hanging out in Gemini here. Uh, just before the new moon, so that waning moon. So this is a really good time to have that heart-to-heart -heart conversation um, with yourself or with other people um, to explore the things that bring you value. Venus is, we think a lot of times of Venus as pleasure, but Venus is value. And that's why we can use Venus wonderfully for money, um, but also especially for meeting my needs. Venus is very much about meeting my needs. So a lot of times when we've got this good Venus stuff going, and Venus in Taurus is awesome except Uranus and the North Node are there fucking shit up. Um, but Venus in, in Gemini isn't too bad because Mercury is there. And, and can get things done quickly. Mercury is very speedy and can often bring... Uh, spell work to a speedy manifestation. So if you want to work for things like having enough food, getting the bills paid, getting my basic needs met, getting my emotional comfort needs met, this is a good time to do it. And it's close enough to this new moon lunation that you could work on the new moon for that or you could work just before that with Venus here. Uh, the 26th is when the moon gets in there with Venus. And then clear up through the new moon, which is the 29th. So three days in there. The moon will, of course, be in Cancer then, but it's still doing the same same sort of thing. Uh, just getting away from that Uranus and Taurus and the nodes in the Taurus-Scorpio line is helpful. And I think that will about close us out for June. Um, the day after the new moon looks like we'll have an opposition to highlight some Pluto things in Capricorn so that may may feel a bit heart-wrenching but uh, don't take it personally if somebody else is breaking ties or reviewing the terms of their friendships you know it's just that kind of time have that heart-to-heart -heart. and then we get into July um, the solstice, let's go back to the solstice. Boop, boop, doo, doo, doo. Looks like the sun will be making a square to Jupe to the moon at that point. So 
and we'll be drawing in Jupiter, but it'll be past that union. So that might be a really good time for uh, Jupiter kind of stuff with the sun and the moon highlighting the position of Jupiter. And again, Mars will still be in Aries, so it'll be a good time for getting things done, going out and getting things, Jupiter kinds of things. Um, Venus is going to be here at the end of Taurus, so not a good time for Venus things. And the anoretic degrees, the ending signs, are always ruled by a malefic. The ends of the degrees are always ruled by Saturn or Mars, and they're called the killing degrees or the anoretic degrees. Um, if you're focusing on that planet, it's not a good time to do things with that planet right at the end. But zero, the beginnings of things, are a very good time to do that sort of stuff. So, as long as you're not focusing on this pile of things, and you're focusing on this pile of things, <laughs> good time to work magic. And they don't seem to be too interconnected. There is technically the sextile here um, from 6 degrees Jupiter and 7 degrees Mercury that draws it in a little bit, but is, that's a pretty weak aspect. So, I think... Exactly a week after, so... Yeah. <laughs> I think we covered all of the do-do magic, don't do magic days, uh, which is kind mm. of electional astrology. Um, when you're electing when to do things based on what the stars are doing. If you're doing personal magic, of course, it always matters what your chart is. Again, what's activated. Um, but the other thing to consider that we're not looking at here with electional astrology is just like for you personally, like the most important thing is your rising sign. You need to consider the rising sign if you want to really time your stuff. You know, put put the important planets that you're working with on the rising sign in the first house, if you can, time-wise. If you can't put them there, put them up in the 10th house, in that midheaven point where they're getting that divine light. Right? So, um, time your stuff that way. Um, that's a little more precise than just going by planetary hour and planetary day. Which is something to always check, take into account. But these are overlapping cycles. Planetary hours and planetary days are this kind of cycle. And transits are this kind of cycle. And energy is filtering through both. So the more things you can line up, the better. Uh, but we live in the real world and stuff doesn't just magically line up perfectly all the time. There's always something where you're just like, eh, gotta go around that. Or, oh, I don't want that there, you know. But, um, so. Move, move the planet. Yeah. Mm. Pay attention to those risings and those culminations. That's what it's called when it reaches the mid-heavens. Try not to put them in bad spots like the sixth house or the twelfth house. The houses of bad fortune and bad spirit. Um, try not to put planets there because that doesn't help. And use whole sign houses. Um, this is the way almost all of these rules for magic and astrology were written with whole sign houses in mind. So go ahead and use whole sign houses. Makes life much easier. All right. Anybody got any other questions before we wrap up for today? Last minute? June, a lot, lot, lot of love, lot of love for you. Um, and James said, uh, "Yes, I don't think Rev Kai knows how famous and respected and loved she." They are James, not not a she. 
Not a girl. Um, not a girl. Um, so you're, you're very famous, apparently. Nah. <laughs> 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 uh, no, that's it. Anybody got any other questions? Because we are we are coming up to two hours. So yeah, uh, I babbled for a good two hours. If you want to talk astrology, um, if you want to um, know about you know where to grab your chart so that you can just look at it, that sort of thing. Of course, you can always contact me through my website, but you can also talk to us in our Discord, Wildwood Temple. We have an astrology channel, and if you just are like you know is this a reliable place to get a chart or um, I put my information in and this looks crazy. Can you look at it? Cause sometimes <laughs> we type everything in and we get this chart back. That makes no sense. I'd be happy to help you with settings, stuff like that using AstroSeek or using astro.com. So, you know, there's, there's lots of ways uh, to approach astrology and start learning about it. And, you don't even have to use your natal chart to learn about magical astrology if you don't want to. If you don't have an accurate birth time, um, which a lot of people don't, you don't have access to your birth certificate for some reason. Um, you know, there's still ways to use astrology. There's still ways to incorporate it into your practice and uh, leverage one of the three pillars of Western magic to your advantage so hit us up in the discord always happy to talk about it i think it's actually only the u.s who put times on the birth certificates um they don't do it in the uk don't do it in south africa yeah um because when i went looking for mine it's not on my birth certificate yeah it's everywhere and it also depends on when you were born um because you know it's becoming more common in more modern times, but the farther you go back, it's not necessarily the rule. Um, and so that gets into chart rectification. Rectification is working backwards to create a reliable chart. Um, it's doing astrology in the other direction. And as someone with a Mercury retrograde in my chart, I, I do enjoy rectification. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. But if you don't have an accurate birth time, there are astrologers that do rectification. I'm one of them. I do rectification, but there are other astrologers. Uh, but it takes a significant amount of work on your part and a significant amount of work on the astrologer's part. It's a good two, three hundred hours worth of work on my end to rectify a chart. Um, so, you know, just keep that in mind. There is a way to do it. Um, but it's not always necessary. Plenty of people in the past, um, did not have birth times. Uh, it wasn't always kept. They didn't know. Some people didn't even know their birthdays. So there are other ways mm -hmm. to use astrology. Mm. Uh, Richard says so much. I still need to learn about astrology, but thanks for the chat tonight. It helped a lot. Yeah. As, and I, I, I pick up little, little bits and pieces every now and again, you know, talking to Kai and listening to these chats and stuff. But it, it's it's a lot to to try and absorb. It is. Um, so, you know, take it easy, take it slow, and just work your way through it uh, slowly, and you'll get there. Um, Deborah said, love you too, Lee. Much respect goes out to you. Oh, thank you very much. That's fine. 
Thank you. I don't, I don't actually do compliments very well. <laughs> Neither of us do. We're not good at that. Not good no, at we're that. not good at compliments. No. Uh, I, I think that's it then. I don't know what's next week, mm -hmm. and I didn't check before we started the stream, so I'm going to pull it up. Um, what have we got? Uh, moon magic is next week. Oh, moon magic. Which oh, yes. will be good. We're going to be talking about... Um, Full moon and new moons and and all that sort of stuff. And then the week after that will be our solstice discussion because we'll be just before the solstice there. Good stuff. Yep, yep. All right then. Okay, so we'll see. You know, join us on on the Wildwood Temple. Go check out our Patreon and Kofi. Uh, the public what's on the telly is going up tomorrow. It, as far as I know, it is a discovery of witches. But if you want to watch both of the reviews each month, then head over to our supporter channels and uh, $3 a month. Um, you can watch both of them. They're fantastic. I mean, it, we say review, and it is a review. We kind of go, this is crap, this is stupid, this is interesting. And then we get into a whole discussion about the magic around it. So Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's sort of stuff really yeah. yeah, just Just like we do here. We tend to wander off on a tangent about some magical experience or some magical technique or some magical theory because mm. we're witches and we want to talk about witchcraft. All right, then. So join us over there. Otherwise, we will see you next week with Moon Magic. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the About section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat. <laughs>